So today we're going to remember, we're going to remember through a time of Lord's Supper. And uh, I got to thinking, uh, we remember a lot of things, don't we? Birthdays. How many know when your birth date is? <laughs> On the count of three, I want to hear you say it. One, two, three. November 3rd. Wait, I didn't hear you. November 30th. Oh, wait, that's mine. Oh, I just thought I'd throw that out there in case, in case you didn't have that circled on your calendar yet. All right. How about anniversaries? I, I, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but yeah, I see you looking over at your wife right now. Are there, don't raise your hand, but we know if there are guys who've forgotten their anniversary because they have permanent lacerations all, all over, you know. All right, we remember that, don't we? How about phone numbers? I don't remember as many phone numbers as I used to because, this, well, it's down there, the, the little cell phone, right? Man, it does it for you. But how many of you can go back a few years and remember, let's say 20 years at least, and remember a phone number? Hey, you young folks, it's called a landline. In fact, let's go back even 30 years. It's a thing that used to sit on the wall, and you'd pull it off, and you couldn't take it with you unless you had a long cord, and there's only so far you could go, and, and you would do this on certain numbers. That's, yeah, it's a phone, right? Some of you are going, I know, I see you over there. You're going like this. No, I don't go back that far. <laughs> Petticoat Junction or whatever that is over there. We do remember that. How about lock combinations? Some of you have them down. I end up having to cut them off usually, okay? Names. Some of you are amazing at remembering names. It's a challenge for me, but some of you, I mean, you can, uh, I, I was talking to guys at the men's retreat, and they could recall stuff from, 50 names and, and numbers, it was just amazing. How about life events? Don't we remember those? Now, those can be tough or those can be happy. They can be sad or victorious. We remember mountaintop experiences, don't we? I want you to think right now of a time when it was a mountaintop experience. The Lord was working so evidently in your life. Unfortunately, we can even remember cruel comments, can't we? I bet you could think of one right now. Maybe when you're a kid, what someone calls you. Or maybe something that one of your parents or someone you looked up to said to you. Cruel comments. Maybe even recently you got called something or misunderstood. And also we remembered difficult circumstances. So I want us to be thinking about that today. That's the theme for today. And I want to read to you up front, and we'll come back to it, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and said, here's what I want you to hear. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, our remembrances of our Lord Jesus Christ proclaim something, really to everyone. We're proclaiming things today. We're proclaiming who he is and what he has done for us. 
You see the Lord's Supper, the time where we remember the Lord. Maybe you call it communion. When we remember the Lord, we proclaim who he is. We'll talk about that. And we, we proclaim what he has done for us. You see, it is the Christian who participates in the Lord's Supper. Not everyone out there, but the one who is a Christian. And that's why we always encourage uh, our parents with, with kids. Maybe they're not there yet. We're praying they'll be there someday. And so they just get to observe as we participate. But we proclaim to everyone in this room, uh, those online today, those that might watch this service uh, on, on our website, you know, down the road, it is who Jesus is and what he has done for us. And one verse came to mind for me today. I promise I didn't pick this verse because of the song they sang. All right, I had the verse picked. And then I think they did the song. Great how that works out. You know, John 14, 6. Jesus has just dropped a bomb in the midst of those disciples who still don't understand everything. They're trying to figure out all this stuff that's going on. It is uh, Passover, and this becomes the Last Supper. We remember it as Lord's Supper. And in in the midst of everything, Jesus is teaching, teaching, teaching. And he says, in response to one of his disciples' question about direction, about knowing the way, Jesus says right to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Think about that for a minute. That is a definitive statement if there ever was. And we want to remember this Jesus this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're grateful to be here today. We thank you for the opportunity we've had already to praise you and to pray together. God, we are proclaiming now in this act, this observance, this ordinance of the Lord's Supper and in looking at your word. And I'm so grateful that you made it simple and clear that you're the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through you. So we thank you for that. In your name we pray, amen. So I want to share just a few things here and there that fit with these three things. The first one is this. I think the way shows reconciliation. It shows us reconciliation. There is a way to be reconciled with holy God. I think the truth shows us illumination. I'm not talking about minions, okay? Illumination, all right. But, uh, you know, the light. There's so much half-truths, non-truths, truths out there that all of a sudden, boom, illumination. The light comes on. And the life shows us regeneration, new life, what can happen to us. You see, these claims, the way, truth, and life, are absolutes. Well, how do I know that? Well, in the biblical language, there's a definite article there. And what does that mean? That means it's an absolute. Jesus didn't say, I am a way. I am a truth. I am a life. He didn't say that. Even though churches might teach that today, even though systems of thought and quote-unquote faith will deal with that, there is no universalism, there is no whatever-ism you want to put to it. It's not A, 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 it is I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. So let's look at the way real quickly. When I think about Jesus being the way, I think that Jesus, he's the source of all life. He is what I would call the proven path. You might write that down and think about that today. Jesus is the proven path. He is the way. He is the answer to the travel leading to an eternal destination. Listen, let me tell you this morning. You have an eternal destination this morning. The question is where you will end up on your travels. The scripture is clear. There is heaven. I thought I'd get an amen or applause. But the scripture is clear that there is hell separation from God. These are eternal destinations, and Jesus is the proven path. He's the answer he, to the, the travel that we're on to get us to the proper eternal destination. Psalm 2711 says this. Just think about David and the, the troubles he had. You remember how he was chased and threatened and all these things? Uh, Psalm 2711, because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. I love that, level path. I'm not a great hiker, are you guys? My family is full of great hikers, and I'm like, give me a level path and I'm good. Don't ask me to go climb up the sand, you know. Should I pick on you? Lynn was just in Phoenix, and they were hiking all these things and sent me a picture and notes, and I was just like, good riddance. No, I didn't write that, but I was like... (laughs) Praise God, I'm not in Phoenix. I mean, if I'm in Phoenix, I'm going to play golf, and it's going to have to be at 5 a.m. because it's so hot, right? Yeah. Level path. And then Isaiah helps us. Isaiah 30, 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you. Isn't that interesting? Saying. Here's the word. (laughs) I know there's Mandalorian and stuff out there now, but here's the word. This is way before all that Star Wars stuff. This is the way walking it. That's the word. You will hear a word behind you, and it is this. This is the way walking it when you turn right or when you turn left. See, there's no excuses. There's no place you can go where the way is not there. Walk in it. And later in Isaiah 35, 8, the road will be there and a way. It will be called the capital H, holy, capital W, way. The unclean will not travel on it, But it will be for the one who walks the path, even the fool will not go astray. You see, Jesus claims, I am the way. And when we think about this, it's always good to remember that the way is narrow. And you'll recall later on, we'll get to it later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 13, and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. See, that's travel to that eternal destination we don't want, being separated from God in eternity, hell. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And here is a tough saying, and there are few who find it. That's why. It is so hard to find, I'm telling you that now. Can you imagine growing up in our culture right now today and not having a church home, not having whatever biblical knowledge that has been given to you, whatever spiritual mentoring and guidance you have received, whether it was from a teacher, another adult, your parents, whoever. Can you imagine what it must be like for people 
to try to find their way and path in life. I can't even comprehend it. Few will find it. Well, that inspires me to try to tell people about it. What about you? What about you? They can find it if I'm in their face in a good way, talking with them about spiritual things and the way and what Jesus does with, with life. So just think about these things as Jesus says, I am the way. And when we think of the way, think this. Without Jesus, there really is no going. He's the proven path. There's really no going. So we're going to pray here in just a minute. And I need your help today. I've noticed something when we're praying. We're going to gather together and pray. Some, some of us just get right with someone right by us, and it's real comfortable. And there's someone sitting a row or two away or a few chairs down that are by themselves. Would you change up your group a little today and maybe make sure you include, if they want to, if someone says no thank you, that's okay, but include folks that may be sitting by themselves so they can participate in group prayer. Is that a good enough pastoral exhortation for you? I mean, some of you might get up and walk somewhere and go pray. Oh, but I, my friends all are sit right by me. You know, every church I've ever gone to in, in my former uh, job, I would go to different churches almost every week, and they always said, hey, it's a friendly church. You're going to love our church, guest preacher. It is a friendly church. And I discovered it's not friendly. It's because they have all their friends there. <laughs> Think about that for a minute, right? So we're going to pray, and we're going to gather together in small groups and just for a few moments, and I want you to think about Jesus being the way, and here's what we're going to pray about. We're not going to pray about this health need or that. We're going to pray, and we're going to it's be a prayer of thanksgiving, first of all, for sending Jesus, for God sending Jesus to us. God sent the way. That's his rescue plan. So let's just thank, thank God for sending Jesus. And secondly, just two parts in this prayer. Focus on Jesus for a minute and ask that he would provide direction in the lives of your group of three or four, whatever it is. All right, are we ready? We're going to thank God for sending the way, Jesus. And we're going to ask the way, Jesus, for direction. Let's spend a few moments in prayer Join together and let us pray. Thank you. Don't worry about introducing yourselves. Just pray. Just pray right now, folks.
Oh Lord, we come to you this morning. And in our prayers this morning, we gather together with others to thank you for coming. We thank you, God, for sending Jesus the way. We're grateful. And we ask Jesus that you would provide direction for our lives. As you are the way and today we remember that fact and we pray this in the name of Jesus amen thank you for doing that you've heard me say many times the most beautiful sound that the uh, pastor hears is uh, when people get together and pray it's just like this it's all throughout the room and it's awesome and I just sit there and listen to it it's a good thing to do. Jesus said, I am the way. Secondly, he said, I am the truth. You see, all truth, the very essence of all truth is found in Jesus. Not only is he the proven path, but secondly, he is a proven principle. You see, relativism is destroyed by the truth by Jesus, by his truth. Jesus embodies the truth about God. In Psalm 86, verse 11, the first part, very clear statement in Scripture. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. That's what we should aspire for. It's what the Lord should lead us towards. Psalm 119, that great chapter in the Bible, verse 30, says this, I have chosen the way of truth. I have set your ordinances before me. The book of John is full of items, all of John's writings about truth. And in verse 117, John states that grace and truth come through Jesus. And John quoted Jesus to say in 321 that anyone who lives by the truth comes to the light, that we must worship God in spirit and in truth, John 4:24, John 8:32, that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And then, of course, in the great prologue, the beginning of the Gospel of John, is that Jesus is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.14. Can I just say something that I've observed? Truth is crazy today. Gaga nuts, right? There are truths out there that I hear about occasionally and I am just I, I just I'm just like this are you ready here's my response I, I can't even I can't even process it I can't even understand it please don't come tell me your pronoun I don't I The Bible's full of truth. Jesus is truth. It's crazy today what people are doing with truth. And when I say uh, your truth is not really truth, I'm saying the same thing to me. Do you hear that? 
does no good to get in someone's face and just say, you're dumb, you're truth. No, none of our truth is the truth. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. It's him. So let me help you real quick. I, I know you applauded a little. That's great. But our truth, outside of being redeemed and saved by Jesus and following Jesus, our truth is no good either. We have to present that better way, and it's not about us. It's about who? It's about Jesus because he said he is the truth. So maybe that will help us as we deal with that. So hopefully I'll be better and I won't go for too long, and then I'll come out of it and be able to share what? Give a defense for the faith that is in me, what Jesus has done in my life, and be able to share in a winsome way. If you don't have truth, life can be difficult. Would you agree with that? Listen to Mark Twain, the great theologian from Passy. Not a theologian, but he's, this is good. He said, the difference between truth and fiction is that fiction has to make sense. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And can I tell you something? Here it is. Are you ready? When you encounter those moments, here it is. Jesus makes sense. Jesus makes sense to me. Listen, no one can refute that. That's my personal testimony. That's me. They may say, well, that's good for you and walk away, but you can't refute that. Jesus makes sense to me. Why? Because he said and he is truth. And here's the kicker. The truth himself died on a cross for me. That's the difference. That's absolute truth. So when we think of truth, think of this. Without Jesus, well, there is no going, but without Jesus, there is no knowing. Hmm. We're going to pray, one, play, pray, you can play if you want after the service. We're going to pray one more time in groups. You did so good getting together. I still saw a couple people that maybe we can get involved, but let's pray one more time. And here's what I want us to pray about. Let's do a prayer of acknowledgement. Someone in the group, acknowledge that Jesus is truth. Pray that back to Jesus and be thankful about that. But here's the second part of our prayer. That he would illuminate our way with his truth. Ready, set, pray.
Oh Lord, today it is our statement, it is our prayer of belief and acknowledgement that Jesus is the truth. And we petition you today, we come before you and present our words from our hearts acknowledging that Jesus is truth. And God, we pray that we might live that way and you would help us. And God, specifically, we pray and we ask Jesus to illuminate our way with truth and into truth. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for doing that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The life. Let's think about that for a minute. The psalmist praises the Lord and states in Psalm 1611, you reveal the path or way of life to me. In John 526, Jesus speaks that he has, are you ready for this? He has life in himself. And in 521, he says he has the power and authority, are you ready for this, to give life to whomever he wishes. Think about that for a minute. The next time you think you're going to put yourself on the throne and be God for a day, come on, anybody done that besides me? Or for an hour or whatever, don't do it. You don't choose to give life to whomever you wish. Jesus states that in Scripture, and he culminates that. If you'll remember uh, the little uh, Lazarus incidents, you remember that? Mary and Martha, do you remember what he says? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, apart from Jesus, there is no life. We're, we're talking about a different kind of life. We're not, we're not talking about just sucking in oxygen right now, okay? But we're talking about abundant life. We're talking about new life. We're talking about life with purpose and meaning. Listen, if you're here today, if you're listening today, and you're struggling with meaning and purpose to life, run to Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. It's a different kind of life that he gives, and it makes sense of things. It gives us purpose. It propels us on and forward. In the kingdom, his kingdom. Listen to what John said in, wrote under the inspiration of God's spirit in 1 John 5, 11 through 13. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. The one who has the son has life. The one who doesn't have the Son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, by the way, that's Jesus Christ, okay? Those who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. We can know. And we're not talking about hell and being separated from God. This, from God. this eternal life is what? It is life right now with Jesus working in our life. God's Spirit indwelling in us, and someday in heaven being face to face. It's as if someone had said once we can have heaven on earth and then later on have heaven, right? Life. So when we think of life, think about this. 
You see, without Jesus, there's no going. Without Jesus, there's no knowing. And when we think about life, without Jesus, there is no living. You may think, I'm living life. I'm living large. Mm. Wait till you get that diagnosis. Wait till that child passes away. Mm. Wait till the job is lost. You know, we could fill in a lot of blanks, couldn't we? We sure could. Listen, in all those circumstances, there is living because of Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So we're going to pray one more time, this time individually. Please do not pray even with your spouse. Can you believe a pastor would say that on Sunday morning? You cannot pray with your wife or your husband or your good friend or your child, whatever. Uh, even children, I want, you to do, I want you to pray individually right now, okay? You pray silently. You don't have to pray out loud. But here's what I want our prayer to be this morning. If Jesus is the life, would you pray and ask God to help you evaluate your life with Jesus? Is your life with Jesus? Is your life without Jesus? Thinking about those verses we just read. If your life is without Jesus, would you ask him to reveal to you how you can have life with him? If you have life with Jesus, would you ask him to confirm that and to kick you down a road with new meaning and purpose of sharing that life with others? So we're just going to take a minute individually to ask God to evaluate us and to work in our lives. Let's pray. God, we return to you in prayer again this morning, asking you to take stock evaluation in our life. We ask that you would show us where we stand with you, if we have that life or not, and that you would cause us to respond. We thank you that we can have life with you forever, which means today and tomorrow and all eternity. Our hearts are full and we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray today for those who do not have that yet. 
they would confess, repent of their sins and run to you as you wait with open arms, nail-pierced hands and feet, ready to receive and to work the greatest miracle in all of life, the miracle of regeneration, conversion, salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, one might say, I thought we were doing the Lord's Supper today. Well, we are. This is all part of it as we think about Jesus, as we remember, as we remember, as we remember. So we have remembered that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let us now remember specifically what he has sacrificed for us. So um, we always have to take a moment and see if everybody has one of these. I hope you... You have one of these. We've got some guys in the back. So if your hand is up, you don't have one. Yeah, don't put your hand up if you have one. <laughs> All right, we've got quite a few over here. All right, Ray, get to work. Anybody else? Down on the front. We tried to trip you when you came in this morning and force you to take one of these out of the basket, but some of you came in a different door maybe, or you just were very coordinated and didn't let us trip you. Great. As a pastor, I never know how to fill the time with waiting for everybody to get the element that wants it. So how about I be quiet for a second? All the way on the front. And bless the Lord for those that sit on the front row. I have a special affinity for them. You'll never have someone say, you're in my seat if you sit on the front row. Right. All right, are we good? Thank you guys for doing that, gals for doing that. Let us focus now. Can you focus? You have that. You want to peel off just the very top transparent layer and receive the wafer. This symbolizes the bread. I'm going to go back to the scripture that we mentioned at the very beginning this morning, and that's from 1 Corinthians 11. 23 through 26. Let me read the first part. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim. And Lord, we do give thanks today for your body that was so bruised and beaten and broken for us and for our sin. And we remember, we remember that your salvation is free, but it is not cheap. And we remember what you have done for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now you want to get the cup, open that up, let me continue reading in 1 Corinthians 11. In the same way, after supper, Jesus also took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
And Lord, we remember today and we're reminded that without blood there is no life. And that your word specifically states that forgiveness of sin comes from the shedding of your blood. And we are thankful. And we remember. Each drop, each stream of blood that you shed was for us. God in the flesh sacrificing for us that we might know forgiveness of sin. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The rest of that passage was simply this. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we must always remember that as we remember. Remember that as we remember that we are not just sitting here doing something, however it's handed out or passed out, this that we eat and drink, but we are in the midst of holy proclamation as we proclaim him as the Lord of Lords, as the King of Kings, as Emmanuel, God with us, as the creator and sustainer, the one who holds all of creation and life together. His name is Jesus, and we proclaim that even in the quiet moments as we reflect with the Lord's Supper, we remember Jesus. We're going to have a time of response in just a moment. And you have a verse of scripture, I believe, uh, below the sermon notes there. I'm going to read it for you. In case this picture hasn't been enough for you, in case God is still working in your life, drawing you to, to him, putting the, the light bulb on in your brain, listen to Acts 4, 11, and 12. As it was proclaimed years ago, this Jesus is the stone rejected by you builders, which has become the cornerstone. Quoting the Old Testament, and here's what I want to get to. There is salvation in no one else. Is that clear enough for you? It doesn't matter what church you go to. I'm sure I love your grandma, but it doesn't matter who your grandma is. Or if you went to VBS with her. Listen. There is salvation in no one else. It's not a family. It's not an ethnicity. It's not a financial standing. It's not an occupation. There is salvation in no one else. Do you see how the Bible intertwines with itself? Jesus is the scarlet thread woven through every single book, all 66 of them in the Bible. There is salvation in no one else. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And furthermore, for there is no other name under heaven given to people. In case you're not getting it, folks, there's no other name under heaven. What name is that? Jesus. Given to people. And we must be saved by it. Listen, it is not a way of life. It is not a list where you cross things off the list. 
It is not about works. Of course there's works. Of course there's fruit. Of course there's influence and intentionality. That comes after one is saved, not before. So let us remember, there is no other name. And we must be saved by it. Jesus, say that with me. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. One more time. Third time. Jesus. Oh. Jesus has changed our life. We proclaim Jesus today with the Lord's Supper. So let us respond. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time. Just being reminded of things that maybe we've known for decades. Or maybe it's new to us today. But that we would remember your sacrifice. And that we would also remember the exclusivity of your salvation. Why? Because you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, God, except through me. That is your words to us today. May we respond. Lord, I pray that, that some would, would, would realize today that you would put it in their heart, in their mind, and they would understand that all this, this sin, these mistakes, these mess up, this wondering about meaning and purpose, that it all is revealing to them the fact that they need Jesus in their life. And God, we pray for salvation today. And we pray for saved folks to be reminded again that we must proclaim because the way is narrow and few find it. So help us, Lord, today. In your name we pray. Amen.